you for reminding us that Jesus is the reason why we live. Amen. As I said earlier, this service, this week has been very, the past week has been very eventful. And I pray that we also learn from the things that have happened around us and around the world. The scripture says in the book of Isaiah, I think chapter 6, the beginning, says, in the year that King Uzziah died, saw the Lord. You know, in the Bible, time, seasons, events are very significant. When you look at the gospel according to Luke, he begins by talking about the days of Augustus Caesar. So he, he brings the story of the birth of Christ in, in context for us to understand how Judah or Israel was fashioned. So time and names and dates and things like that within the sphere of God are very, very significant. Amen. I believe it's not for nothing that God allowed all these things to happen around this particular week that we just passed. And if I were you, I will mark it in my diary, I will mark it on my phone, I will make sure that it reminds me of the Word of God. Because it was a week of understanding, rulership, reign, and it's a season of kingdoms. Changing, if you, if you take, go back a few weeks, you see that even in Ghana, the issue of kingdoms manifesting, changing of the order, the guard, and its implications for people's lives and status and vision and all of that, power that people wield and power that people do not wield and how life is when you take on power, how life becomes when take power is taken from you and how life is when you have power and you don't use it appropriately. All of these are major lessons not for those there alone who have experienced them, but for you and I who call ourselves children of God. Say amen. Many times when we hear the politics and all of that, we are tempted to be very far from the issues. But I want you to know that the scripture says, the things that happen to them, they happen to them examples to you and I. Everything that has happened on the political landscape in Ghana, in the Gambia, in America, and around the world within the last few months or weeks, I can tell you, much as we may laugh it over, send WhatsApp messages, cartoons and all of that, and just joke over some of the issues, the reality is that it is very relevant in our lives as believers. Dr. Cerullo used to say that all truth is parallel. What happens in the natural happens in the spiritual as well. Hallelujah. So this afternoon, this morning, my heart is burdened to talk about Kings in captivity. Kings in captivity. And this is a word the Lord gave me towards the end of last year. As I was browsing through the scriptures, I saw something in Ezekiel. Then I, he referred me to the second Kings in chapter 24. And from verse 8, there's a story there. Read it together. We can look at it and as I read it, you can read it together. Second Kings. It says, Jehoiachin was 18 Maybe give me the new King James. That will make it easy for them. Was 18 years when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of El Nathan of Jerusalem. And he did evil, note it. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. As I see, like I was saying, Sometimes when, the, when you see things happening in the world, especially in Africa, you wonder if people didn't see Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein. And you think that we are very far, and it's the same for us in our very lives. Sometimes it's as if the thing is very far, but it's very close to us. Amen. So you see, he walked in the stead, the same things. And at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. 
Hallelujah. Then 11. Go on. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city as the servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiachin, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to the king of Babylon, and the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. Hallelujah. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house, and he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord has said. Verse 14. And also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and the, all the mighty men of valor, thousand captives of all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except the poorest of the people of the land. And he carried Jehoiachin captive to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, and the mighty of the land carried, he carried into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 16. And all the valiant men, 7,000, and craftsmen and smiths, 1,000, who were strong and fit for war, these the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. Hallelujah. As I said, this account sounds like history. How can a king, sovereign king, be taken together with his subjects not to be relocated in another land to rule, but to be slaves of another king is an aberration. It's a breach. It ought not to be. The scripture is confirmed in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 7. There are many breaches in, in, in rulership or in kingdom. In Ecclesiastes 10, 7, the scripture talks about the fact that it's, it's puzzling to see princes walking and servants riding. This is one of the puzzles, to see a king not ruling as he should be king. Imagine Queen Elizabeth taken captive by Putin and rule, being ruled over in Russia. I don't want to talk about Ghana. That's, I'm, I'm charged. Imagine that. Imagine Donald Trump being taken to North Korea and being ruled by the young boy. It's an abnormality. It shouldn't happen. But you know, beloved, it seems to be happening only in the kingdom of God. Among the children of God. And by our posturing, we are giving consent, actively or inactively, to our kinship being subjected to other kinships. Hallelujah. He said, before the king Nebuchadnezzar took over, he besieged place. You see, many of us, when we see the besieging, we don't know that actually it's almost the conclusion. The fact that you are having sleepless nights, tormented by demons, tormented by wild, strange dreams, and you are helpless, is an indication that you are probably under besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. The fact that you have a phone which you have become so addicted to, you understand when I come further to. Or you have a life, a, a pattern which is competing against your faith. Because the world system, either by ambition or career or education or anything you are pursuing in this life, because see, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon represent a certain system. Anything that is superimposing itself and overriding the kinship that God placed you and I in is something we need to watch. And it's, it's like that we are becoming helpless under the circumstance. 
and we, we rationalize and we explain. And we, 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 we jump over. The reality is that it is with us. When you look at first, second, uh, first Peter 2 verse 9, the scripture is very clear that you and I have become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's own people called out to show forth. So, we are not talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Neither are we talking about Donald Trump. We are not talking about Queen Elizabeth. We are talking about you and I today. Because that is an example. Now, we are talking about ourselves. You have been made a king. I have been made a king. But our domain or our kingship is being besieged. The armies of the Babylonians, which represents the world system, which represents all that John talks about, First John 2, 15 and 16, the last of the flesh, the last of the eye, have besieged the armies of the world in the form of spiritual attacks, fear, comment, insecurity. And you are living as a Christian, you are fearful. But you are a Christian, you think that it is okay. You can't go to your hometown. You, go, you can't see certain people. It's okay because you've said it to yourself. It's, oh, that's for these people. That's for this situation. God understands. God doesn't understand. Because he made you, a, you and I, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's own people. Say amen. King Jehoiachin was made a king of Judah. Young man, 18 years. Honorable. Not MP honorable, but honored. And God blessed him with gold, as you see. When King Nebuchadnezzar and his people came, the enemy, the devil, the devil says, the devil comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Please, where we are is not a place for sleeping. The devil comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Say amen. When you are a king, there is a divine mandate placed on you. And the scripture is very clear about what kings are supposed to do. Sometimes we can use the, the negative thing that people do. You know, dictatorship is not part of the way kings ought to operate. So many times, when so, so you look at what so Samuel was telling the Israelites in First Samuel 8, he was telling them that when you have a king, he will draft your children, your daughters, he will marry many more. And he will do. So many of the world's kings, they imitate that. He was using it to warn the people of Israel that when you want a king, he, will de- he may deviate. And when he deviates, that's not the way God wants you to live. I want you to enjoy my liberty and my presence. I want you to enjoy my authority, my peace, which passes all understanding. I want you to enjoy my life, my, my wisdom. I want you to enjoy my power, my glory. That is what Samuel was telling the people of Israel. He wasn't telling them that every king must marry many wives and draft many people by force, whether they like it or not, into their military. No. They must, if they want to come, they must come by themselves. But not force them and push them into things that they don't want to do. Enslave them. So he was warning the people of Israel in, in the book of Samuel, First Samuel 8. When they said they wanted a king to be like other nations. So the model of kingship that we see in First Samuel 8 is not the real godly kingship. Amen. But the model kingship is seen in the scriptures when you look at the standard that God set for King David. When you look at the standard that was set in the New Testament, in the, in the case of, uh, 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 of the New Testament, when you look at Romans 13, let's look at what kings and rulers are supposed to do. Verse 1 to 3. There is a model of kingship that is set. It says, Romans 13. It says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, let me caution this. A lot of times I used to pray and tell people to pray that, oh, every king is made of God. I found out in the, New, in the Old Testament that God said to the Jews, they have made themselves kings, but not of me. So God is not talking about specific people. If somebody like Absalom hijacks the throne for a few months and becomes a king, he's not, a, he's not godly appointed. 
In fact, even in our constitution, we are mandated to resist such people. But if a person, we're talking about institution of kingship. That is it. He's talking about the kingship institution or the rulership. The need that every group of people must have a leader is something that is ordained by God. And anywhere anybody is a leader or is supposed to direct the people, this is the way God expects he or uh, or, uh, she to conduct himself or herself. If you are my dear daughter who is an MP or you are a minister or whatever God places you, there is a way, there is a pattern that God requires of us all. If you are a managing director or supervisor, uh, whatever, you are W.O., you are major, captain, brigadier general, lieutenant general, with all salutation, observed, there is a requirement, hallelujah, that we all conduct ourselves. It says, the role is that whoever therefore resisted the power, we are not resisting the personality, but the position the person holds, so that if they are not there, the system will fall apart. That is why in every place, within the, the body of human beings, among the church, among the civil society, everywhere there has to be order. Hallelujah. It says, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now the focus is on three and four. What should kings therefore do? Or rulers? Three and four. For rulers are not a term for good works. God uses the negative to teach the positive. Sometimes. So, the, if they are not a terror, then they should bring comfort to the people. Amen. A leader is not supposed to bring terror, but to bring God comfort to the people. Brings so, uh, uh, some form of serenity, peace, and bring harmony to the people. But for good works, but to the evil, sorry, they are a terror to the evil. If you are doing bad, then you fear leadership. You criticize, you find something wrong. Says, will thou then not be afraid of the power? The power is not the personality, the authority. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Verse 4. For he is the minister. Minister means servant. Every leader is a servant of God. Not a servant of himself, but of God. Now we, when God says he's made us kings and rulers, we are first and foremost Servants of God, whether you are ordained a pastor or a bishop or nothing, you are still, because you are a child of God, you are still a servant of God. You do the master's bidding. We have to do, we are obliged to do the master's bidding. Then he says, For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou would do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. That means that the leader has the capacity to enforce law and order. That is another responsibility. That is why when somebody is made president, be it in America or in Ghana, they say he's commander-in-chief of the forces. Because he has the power to make people fall in line. And that is one of the anxieties that many of the critics of Donald Trump had. They were not sure that if he's made commander-in-chief, with all the powers at the Pentagon, he... And all that we need is for somebody to provoke him. Even if it's Gambia, he will smash the whole country of Gambia within minutes. And people were afraid of that. There's anxiety in the world today as I speak. People are afraid that the way he is, his temperament and his style. But I pray that as we pray, that will not happen. Amen. So leaders are supposed to be using a certain power. They are trusted. They are entrusted with a certain power. The same for you and I as believers. Hallelujah. Now, as believers, from the scripture we have just read and other scriptures, we can sum up the role of kings in about four or five areas. Number one, we said he is God's representative. He is God's light. Jesus said we are the city set on a hill. Matthew 13 talks about that. Matthew, Matthew 5, 13, 6 to 16, as we heard at the beginning of the year. We are supposed to lead in battle. A spineless leader who cannot lead in battle. If you are a man, if you are anything, that, any role in leadership, God places you. And even if you don't have people following you, because you are a child of God, you are a king, you ought to be willing to fight. That's why Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. 
We are running out for cover many times because many of us don't understand that even in your own right as a child of God, you are a king. And God requires of you that you are the commander-in-chief of your body system. Your body system is made up of your spirit, soul, and body. And you have authority to rule. Hallelujah. And there is disorder when the emotions run round. When, 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 the, when the body runs round and the order is reversed. And the man in the house is a, the commander-in-chief. Not to abuse, as we've seen, but to be a servant. To show the way. But when they need to resist the evil one, you need to resist. Say amen. The king is also supposed to make laws and enforce laws. Now when you come into the spiritual realm, we have the law of the spirit, according to Romans 8 verse 2. When we say the law of the spirit, we, allow, we say because we, we, we are in Christ, we are born again. Our spirit man comes alive and our flesh is subject to the spirit. That's the law of the spirit. It is not normal. It is an abnormality. It is an abrasion. If the flesh rules over the spirit in the life of the believer. So, that's another area of the laws that the, the king makes. The law of the spirit. Hallelujah. We also have the law of life. We are, we, our laws are not based on Ghana constitution or American constitution. Our laws are kingdom laws. Amen. You know the scripture talks about the fact that death and life are in the power of the tongue. There are things, the life that we have brings light. It's also a kingdom law. That when we manage, wherever we go, we, we show forth the life of Christ. It's our law. It's our spiritual law. Manifesting Christ is our spiritual law. So it's an abnormality if a Christian is in an environment and people don't acknowledge that because you are there, certain language, certain behavior cannot be put up. You see, our life exudes Christ. That is the law of life that we show. Our life exudes, shows forth Christ. We, the Bible says, we are the sweet flavor of His life. When we go, we are like we are like perfume to people. So if our perfume is not getting far, then we have a problem. If it's, it can be another odor, which is not the right perfume. People, things are dead. Our presence brings alive things that are dying or are dead. We represent uh, the prophecy of Ezekiel 37. That's the law of life that the king has to bring. Hallelujah. We have also the law of love. Law, love covers a multitude of sins. It's the law, it's part of uh, that major law. The law of love says that God loved us whilst we were yet sinners. That's the law of love. As he is, so are we. That's the law of love. The law of love teaches you and I that we, he that loveth, loveth he that is begotten of him. So the, 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 the translation there is that love me, love my dog. So you cannot love a husband and hate the wife. And, and say, ask for me, the wife, she's doing something. That one, I can't flow with her. Is the husband doing something? This one, so, no, 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 no. Or in the church, one family, you cannot say, this sister, that sister, because she speaks my language. They can't, we all come from Vane. Forgive me. Vane is in trouble today. Abatile is in trouble today. We all come from Vane, so... We speak our Banet, Avatile language. So we flow. But that one, he's from Goloquita. So that one, they speak different dialect of the Avatile. So that one, I don't flow. No. That is the law of love. No partition, no division. That accepts people in spite of, and that makes room. That understands perseverance. That understands tolerance. It's the law of love. And it means that we are custodians of the law. 
We hold the law in high esteem. That is why, you remember when the last government was on, one of the things that caused the downfall of the last government, in my honest opinion, is the release of the Muntier 3. Because that singular action was an, abra an abrasion to the whole system of keeping law and justice. The whole justice system. The judges said, no, this is wrong. We have passed our ruling. That's it. Using an executive power to reverse it was an affront. You may not agree with me, but that's how I think. In an honest, this, this is not politics. I'm looking at it as an intellectual, as a, as a reasoning being. And we all ought to look at these things that way. Sometimes detach ourselves from the politicization and look at things the way we ought to look at things. As just if it happened to me, if it was you, if you were the, the, the chief justice and that was done to you, will you be happy? So that's what it means. So there are, there, 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 as, 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 as kings, God puts a certain mandate on you and I. We can't just be kings and just go, I know who I am, just have, no. There, is, there are standards. Kings don't just make, after the banquet of yesterday with Donald Trump, now he got to pull up the sleeves, as they say in America. Pull up the sleeves. For Monday, he's in the Oval Office. He's signing documents and passing things. Things are moving. He has to find a way to replace Obamacare. He has said it in the campaign. They have to show that. Do it. Let it happen. It's the same. So we cannot be kings who cannot say yes to this and no to that. Say amen. So kings are ministers of good. Kings are representatives. Kings lead in battle. Jesus said it. He said, how come in Luke 14, 31, 32, if you are a king and you don't prepare for battle, how come when you are prepared, you are, you, are, you, are, you are not ready? In the middle of the battle, then you realize that, hey, you are not ready. You are running away. You are going to submit to another kingdom. Kings also are in charge. I'm talking about justice. Kings also are in charge of social justice. There is legal justice and social justice. Sometimes legal justice doesn't support social justice. Equity. Our job and our, one of our primary duties as kings is to lift those that are weak and poor. That cannot, that's why in heaven, those that will be rewarded among others, the key people who will be rewarded most are those who perform social justice in Christ. If you are born again, you are a child of God, and you visit those that are oppressed, the, the, the poor. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 25. When he was talking, he said, where did we do you good? He said, as you did it unto each one of you, you clothed the naked, you healed, you, you angry, you gave water to those that were thirsty, you visited me in prison. As you did that, so social justice is part, and, and fighting, standing up, you can't be in an office. They are cheating your friends, and you, because you are a big man or a big woman, you just keep quiet because you are enjoying your benefits. No. They've increased yours 50-fold, 20-fold. And the subordinates, they are suffering. And you don't care. You say, oh, that one is there. They are in their management. They are in their management. No. That's not good godly kinship. Godly kinship is establishing social justice. Speaking for those that cannot speak. Even if it means you being labeled. Hallelujah. You do it respectfully. You do due process. But you need to speak wherever you find yourself. As a king. Otherwise, we will not exercise our kingship rights. Kingship rights is not just walking around wearing... You know, you heard what John the Baptist said. He said, those that want to be uh, uh, prince and others, they wear king's clothes in palaces. But as for him, it's a different... So, it's a different game altogether. This type of kingship is like the John the Baptist type of one. It's not the type of kingship that you just sit in the palace and have feast and feast and feast. Even all those kings that were having feasts, there was a time that they were doing war. There were times that they were, they, were, they were making laws and they were enforcing laws. Even King Solomon, who when he built the temple in his house, he had a feast in the temple. He had many days of feasting. After that, the Bible, he had judgments. The people were coming to him. He met other, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, countries' leaders and resolved matters. Hallelujah. Now, within our current dispensation, beloved, 
We are not dealing with King Jehoiachin. Neither are we dealing with Babylon. You and I are under siege by the Babylonian. There are three spheres of our siege. Number one is the sphere of our external our territories. They went around Jerusalem. They were around the, 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 the Jewish land. We are dealing with direct attack. Spiritual attack. If you want to know if you are a siege, I want to give you an indication. You don't sleep. When you sleep, you turn ten. Every day, you wake up wild, wild dreams. It's a sign that you are under attack. You can see things are happening. Before you got born again, you got yourself involved with something. And that thing is always chasing you. It means that the enemy has located you and you are under siege. But it's not, you've not lost it. Amen. Because the scripture says also that we are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. These are satanic attacks that come sometimes through ancestral issues and all of that that we may not understand or by association and we don't have time. But Abu first spoke about some of these things. Sometimes people are believers but are under siege by the system of the, 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 the body system. Spirit, soul and body. See? When John says, First John 2 talks about the father, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You see that people are in cycles of that. It's a sign that one is under siege. Even though you, God has made you a king, you can see that the way the pride comes. And you say, you want to know how the pride comes? The way you speak to people, the way you do things. Pride comes, you see, you, you, nobody, most people, if you ask them, are you proud? You say no. Nobody will admit that. Uh, no. But when, you, you, when we, we, we deal with people, when we talk to people, they interpret it. Pride is a relational feeling. The way you can't eat with certain kinds of people. The way you can't talk after church. Look at the kind of people that surround you every time. It can tell you whether you are proud or humble. Since the year started, Look at the people that have benefited from you. you it, it can tell you. You see that it, the sociologists have A, B, C, 1, C, 2, D, and o, so on and so forth. They classify human beings accordingly. And depending on the job you do, the money you earn, where you live, blah, 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 they classify you. And the top most, like the Indians, have it in the caste system. Depending on your, where you place your, your, your people, you can tell the people who flow with you. The people who, 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 who you are comfortable with is an indication of whether you are humble or you are proud. You can start chatting with somebody. Somebody who just can't there. The person can look at you. No, we Even though he didn't say it, she didn't say it. The way they look at the person from top to bottom and the way they are dressed and the way they are talking, talk, eating, chaka, 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 and disturbing the conversation. And you are, you, you are, you are so, you are, he's not coming to see you, but you are angry. She didn't come to visit you or to say peace and many blessings. It's a pastor or somebody they came to see. But you are angry. Because there is pride in you. Because in your mind, you are programmed that, who is this person? Why should she come and talk to pastor? Why, who is she? When we are talking to these people and this kind of people, who is she? Where did he come from? We have been around for so long. What, what, is, what, what is all this? What is all this? This last rose type of thing. Lazarus, Lazarus. It's not well. To say the least. Excuse me. Taflache, Yatan. Taflache, Yatan. So, as you look at people, the way you look at them, the way you can't even. Call them and ask them, sister, what is your name? Where do you live? It's an indication of whether you are. I won't say you are proud or humble, but you will know. If you look into yourself, you will know. Hallelujah. It's an indication. If I come and tell you that you are proud, you will be angry with me. 
But the fact that you, you are, you, you, people, many people tend to think that, oh, it's difficult to reach you, sister. It's difficult to reach you, brother. It means that you've got to do something. Then come down like Zacchaeus. From the sycamore tree. Are you with me? Nobody will tell us. So, these are some of the things that show that we are under siege of life. Last of the eye. The way, the things that our money, if I tell you that you have last of the eye, you'll say no. But if I ask you, this year, if you look at your budget, your expenses that you've incurred, how much of it has gone this way or that way? And what has it that you see the proportion of certain things. I'll mention certain things. If I mention somebody's things, somebody will say, oh, you didn't mention this one. So it's not everybody who's like that. No. But you look at your, the short list you, we have done. It tells whether we are under siege or not. Because you can tell. By looking at the short list. Where, you see, where your, your, your treasure is, there you have to be. Money, the way we spend money, determines whether we have last of the eye or last of the flesh. You will not admit it. The way we are portioning the money. Because if you, you, you need certain things so badly, you haven't paid your tithe. You haven't made your commitment. You haven't blessed people that I need. But you can see certain things are high on your Your money, most of it goes into those things. Your time. You see, lots of the eye. Your time. Most of it goes into certain things. Certain commitments. I won't say them. But you know them. And we all know them. Everybody knows it. Say amen. If you don't know it, ask me after the service. I'll tell you yours. Amen. So, the captivity is in three forms. External captivity under demonic attack. Moral and personal captivity by way of addictions. Then, organizational or system captivity. That is the most dangerous. Dangerous. And we all are prone. You see, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar represent civilization. Development. If I were to ask you in this service, how many of us have been looked for to see if we got a message in the course of this service? You will see. Very few will be able to. Are you getting a message? Or looked at our WhatsApp or something like that? It's, part, it's, a, it's, a, it's an indication of how organizational system, civilization has penetrated us and we are under siege. Because our heart is there. We are, even though you are in church and you are listening to a message, part of our heart is, if many of us, if we got a call just now, you see the way, if we saw the phone vibrating, you will see quickly. Suddenly, it has been elevated. I believe in civilization. I'm a modernist to some extent. I'm not, I'm not antiquar. I'm not very old school. Even though the children, my children sometimes think I'm a bit old school. I'm not really old school. Because I try to catch up. There are many of my counterparts who are far behind. At least I'm trying. <laughs> I'm not the best. There are all this technology and all that. But you see, these things that are good can turn out to be the things that in us. To the extent that even if you look at even our hobbies, sports, Debates, politics, all of these things, which are in themselves good. And as you know, I mean, we have studied. God has blessed us. We've learned and we are still learning. We, I, don't, I don't look down and I encourage everybody to study. Because I told the student of many students yesterday that if you look at the four or five leading denominations outside of the Roman Catholic Church, in fact, the Roman Catholic institution is by and large sustained by the intelligentsia of the church. But if you look at the top four or five denominations that have survived since the turn of the Reformation to date, they are all founders of, founded by intelligentsia in, in Europe. If you take the Calvinists, the Presbyterian Church, the Wesleyans, the Methodist Church, all of them were established on university campuses which were in Europe. So you, I, don't, I'm, I'm too, I know too much about this to belittle the value of people studying. So don't get me wrong. So when I'm talking about, I'm talking I'm talking about an, a lack of balance. I'm talking about a situation where we have become so possessed that anything with civilization is better than anything that is godly. That is dangerous. We are about to invite Nebuchadnezzar into our lives. 
Babylon is on our heels. And we don't, because we are, we are, we are preoccupied with our nice, the, the women singing, and the people are flattering us, and the musicians are there. We don't know. So as it was, as to, to be in the land, they were just making me, doing, everything was moving, rosy, rosy, rosy. The late Dr. Lehman, I mean, I don't say this to dishonor him. You know, on 31st December, 1981, we heard that they were at army, uh, uh, what, do you call, what do you call, mess. They were having end of year jamboree. By the time he drove out, in six to eight hours, he was no longer president. They said, oh, there's something, oh, they said, boys, boys are just misbehaving, don't worry, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And before you say, you say by the time the, whatever they are taking at the mess, clears from his face, he was, the seat had been taken from him. This is reality in Ghana. And sometimes we also think, oh, it's far. It can never be me. It can never happen to me. Oh, I'm better. Kutua Champo, of blessed memory, said, Tobuase, Oyonkwe, Efidiru Abeba, Nobabo Maya, Usubintino. That was his signature tune for his school. I don't know how many of us were born then, but I remember that very well. I was in Radiant Tree. When the one, the owner of the machine is coming, take your time. Tread slowly. When he comes, before he comes, you say, nobody come to him. You are enjoying, you are just having fun. And that's how we are so comfortable, many of us. We have forgotten. Jesus said something. He said, when they say there is peace and safety, then sudden destruction. Jehoiachin was there. He was under sin by, uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. He thought, oh, my father, it was because he was not very actful at shooting. I'll be a better shooter. He didn't know how to use AK-47. I know how to use AK-47. He didn't know how to use the, the, so, 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 all the gadgets. Oh, that time there were no missiles. He didn't know how to. Now I have missiles. He didn't know how to do that. But before he could say, Jack, he was in Babylon. Not alone, but with his wife, with his children, with his generals, with everybody. May it not happen to us. Say, Amen. The Bible says, These things, career, money, business, marriage, which is good, relationships, which are all nice, but I tell you, it is the laced, most of them are the laced stuff that Babylon is taking to use to cause us to, to stumble. In Luke 21, 34, Jesus saw it coming. And he prophesied that, be careful. Woe to you. Be careful. Let the curse of this world catch you. And he gave us the antidote to this. He gave us the number one antidote. He said, watch therefore. Watch therefore. Vigilance. Alertness. Careful. Don't, let us not be too content. Let's not be too complacent in anything we are doing spiritually. Don't, if, if we want to avoid Babylon taking over us and the rulership of the system of the world and the lust of the flesh and I and all of that and these attacks reigning over us, be vigilant. The scripture said, Jesus says so. So verse 36 says, and pray always. Pray. Now, the significance of this in the natural so we call on Abba Father, God Most High. You know, do you know that Jameh could still have been in power if he was a friend of Putin? Even an earthly man like Putin. If he had made it socialist, communist republic of the Gambia, there is no way Ecowas would have gone there. And ask me why. It's the same issue in Cuba. What? Evil has Cuba not done to its own under Fidel Castro. But America knows that if they strike Cuba, Russia will hit back. Russia will go and attack South, South Korea or some of these smaller countries that America used as a petrol at West Israel. And there will be a world war. So they are careful. Because Jammeh did not avail himself of a higher authority. In the spiritual realm, that are walking lonely, 
don't know how to call upon God, don't know how to respect spiritual hierarchy, you are losing out on something. Wives that are not submissive to husbands. People that are around that don't understand spiritual hierarchy. He was a thing God unto himself. He thought he could. Look, 22,500. Even our troops in, in Tatakwadi alone can clear him out of the seat. He didn't realize that. He became a God unto himself. And today he is no more. He is a king in captivity in another man's land. Hallelujah. And the same for us. We have an oppression. We have an opportunity to call upon the Lord. Jesus, the Lord said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll answer you. But we don't pray. We don't, we don't, we don't pray. We, 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 love to, we like to give money to prophets and to priests and people to do all this for us. And we're just relaxed. We're just complacent. As if we haven't had access. When the, we read the book of uh, Hebrews, it says, let us therefore come, Hebrews 4, 6, let us therefore come boldly. But many of us, if you ask, on the average, during the week, as we sit here, after leaving church, that's it. After leaving church, that's it. Even midweek to come, or Friday to come, let's pray. Your own self, you won't pray. When the church is charging you like battery, so that when after the church prayer, you can pray, that too you will not. Because sometimes praying alone is difficult. But when you come and pray with others, you'll be charged. Then you can charge on your own. Even that is a problem. And when you think there is peace and safety, one day, sudden destruction will come. And that's why all these things, when the enemies come up against us like a fly, we don't sense the presence of God. We don't understand the rules of engagement. Hosea 4 says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Hosea says so. See, our in Kings, Second Kings 24, did not understand the rules of engagement. If he understood the rules of engagement, he, he, he had knowledge of what the Lord has said concerning David, concerning Solomon, and concerning the kingship of Judah. He would have handled himself differently. Today, you and I have an opportunity. We are not ignorant of the word of the Lord. We have opportunity. Some of us, when I pity you when you run away from Sunday school, you think you are doing somebody evil. You are doing yourself harm. Because, you see, the Sunday school is part of your understanding of the terms of your rulership. We have no constitution in the Supreme Court anywhere. Our constitution is the Bible. And you cannot be a king that does not understand the constitution of the land. You always, you, you, they'll, they'll take you on. They'll take you on. Your enemies will take you on. You'll be impeached. Because you don't know the, the way to operate as a king. You step on the law and the law will get you. The law will get you. My dearly beloved, this, I feel so strongly about this. And God didn't give us this just in vain. Look at the timing. A week, we have seen how power has shifted. Shifted in Gambia. I saw the face of Hillary Clinton and I, I felt sad for her. I saw the face. I said, oh, looking very mournful. Very mournful. When power is so close and yet so far away. And you may say, it, it, it cannot be me. You don't know. You are almost Hillary Clinton. Today, you and I, God has given us an opportunity. As they say, make it while the sun shines. I want us to bow our heads for a minute. When he says that, Watch there. You must ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, give me sense, sensitize me about spiritual things, about the times in which I live. Open my eyes to see the, 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 the army of Babylon around my walls. And give me the grace and the fortitude and the boldness to confront them now. I don't have to wait for them to enter the walls of Jerusalem and to take me captive. No. Anything that has held you captive, any lifestyle, Moral, any thought pattern, anything that the enemy is using, accusations, fear, torment, anything that the enemy has brought against you, like a wave, confront it in the name of Jesus. Confront it. In the name. Don't sit down and say, oh, that's how it is. That's how I am. God understands. No! 
God didn't want, doesn't want you to be defeated by the enemy. Rise up, as we heard at the beginning of the year. Say, Arise, shine, your light has come. Some bitterness may be brewing up in you because of something somebody did to you. The enemy is seeking to take advantage. He has sought at the upper hand. Let the rule, law of love, rule. Let mercy, let forgiveness rule. In the name of Jesus. Contend for the faith as a commander in chief of your body system. Don't let any strange doctrines, practices, ideas just enter your system. Resist it in the name of Jesus. Put on the armor of God in the name of Jesus. Say never again. I will not be a slave to sin. Romans 6.14 says it. Sin shall have no dominion over me. Bitterness, evil desire, anger, whatever, will not have dominion over me. In the name of Jesus, I surrender it all to the Lord. Lord, give me grace to triumph, to walk over every situation in my life. I don't want to be a, a king who is in captivity in another man's land. Anything that the enemy, the arrows of accusation, be deflected because I am a king in my palace. No missiles of the enemy will come near the people of God because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Father, you gave your word. We have spoken your word. I pray that grace will be given to each one of your children to take the stand as a king in his or her own right. According to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I encourage you to go and do further studies. Look at your life again. Any area you see that your kinship is being compromised. Stamp your authority and send your troops to that border. Whether it's the eastern border, the northern border, the western border, don't let them walk in like the way the Senegalese army just walked into Gambia. Don't do that. Take your ground and defend your territory in Jesus' name. Amen. Take up an offering, mission offering, and bless the Lord. And bring your tithe as well, which is a covenant for your covering. Amen. I will never be the same again.